Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Episode 12, titled Encyclopedia Galactica. Yet another fantastic, fantastic episode, uh, this time all about aliens. So, this episode begins, and Carl Sagan immediately jumps in with the stories of old. Uh... All the accounts of UFOs and alien abductions, probing, and all of that stuff. And, you know, uh, remember that one moment in one of the early episodes of Cosmos where Carl Sagan did a brutal teardown of... Astrology? Yeah, get ready for part two of that, basically. It is on that level. Like, Carl Sagan recounts uh, this story that one couple told, and that is actually one of the most substantive claims. And he, like, picks apart their entire story. Uh, He's like, oh, one of the reasons this has been given credibility is because... uh, she saw a star map and drew the star map and it looked similar to a normal ass star map. But the only reason it looks similar is because the normal ass star map has the lines from uh, the other star map drawn on it. So let's like change up those lines or remove them entirely. And oh look, it doesn't look at all similar anymore. Uh, and there's really no evidence for it. There's no, there, ne- there needs to be extraordinary evidence to back up these extraordinary claims. And oh, uh, their own psychologist... Uh, referred to it as a sort of dream. And <laughs> Carl Sagan's just like bashing on this one story. And also then going out and saying like, Oh look, all these pictures you see can be faked. Oh look, these lights in the sky that people point to. They could be other things other than ships. They could be asteroids falling to Earth. Uh, here's one that's confirmed to have been an asteroid falling to Earth. And just like again, just like with the astrology thing, it ends up becoming 
a moment where I'm just looking at the television and yelling, stop, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> like Carl Sagan just brutally, brutally, like just decimates all these claims of alien sightings. And it's spectacular. Uh, But from here, he takes our desire to understand an alien world, to understand and explore an alien culture, and relates that all the way back to a story of uh, Champollion and his work deciphering Egyptian hieroglyphics. Uh, He was the first one to use the Rosetta Stone to correctly translate... Uh, hieroglyphics uh, to correctly identify a hieroglyphic alphabet. And he tells his entire story from childhood, being inspired by uh, Egyptian artifacts he saw, and from hieroglyphs he uh, saw in certain artifacts, and being inspired to actually learn what it says, and then this ballooned out into an entire career like exploring Egypt and looking into Egyptian language and culture and all that, and just this lifelong pursuit of understanding this culture that because its language was so foreign uh, to Europe, to present-day, well, at that time, present-day Europe, was just... Like, they basically were silenced. Like, it just was totally unknown. It was totally foreign uh, because they couldn't read these hieroglyphs. Uh, so he, Carl Sagan tells the entire story of this dude's life, uh, culminating at the Temple of Karnak, which, by the way, as soon as Carl Sagan said Karnak, I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen that in The Mummy Returns. <laughs> Weird that I'm relating Cosmos to The Mummy Returns, but that's happening now. <laughs> That's a thing that I have said. And he tells this entire story, takes us through the translations and how this dude figured it out. And it's really, really fascinating. And then he pontificates of like, what if there was a galactic Rosetta Stone? And actually there is a universal language of science because the laws of nature are the same everywhere. Like the way... Science works, nature works, the universe works here is the same as millions of light years away. So there is this universal language of science. Uh, And then we get into the idea of, okay, how do we search for aliens? How do we search for alien signals? Uh, We need a low-cost method that's uh, relatively simple, relatively basic... Uh, can span a wide subsection of the galaxy, like 15,000 light years or so, and we have that. Uh, Radio radar telescopes uh, that can be used to sort of systematically go from, like, world to world to world, to star to star to star to star to star, uh, different points in the universe, and be like, their signal here? No, move on. Their signal here? Uh, not of intelligent design. Move on. Uh, and just keep going. And so he shows that technology off. And then asks the question, how many worlds could there possibly be 
with civilizations advanced enough to reach out to us or for us to reach out to. How many alien civilizations are there in the universe? Or at least the galaxy. And he, at this point, breaks out some serious math. He has this, like, giant equation sort of all spread out and takes us through step by step by step, component by component by component, uh, plugging in numbers we know for sure, uh, plugging in rough estimates, and estimating that uh, depending on whether or not Earth is typical, depending on whether or not the idea of a civilization destroying itself uh, when it becomes technologically advanced enough is typical of the known universe, uh, it could be anywhere between 10 and a million. Again, rough estimate. So there's either 10 advanced civilizations at this moment that we can talk to in the entire universe, or a million. So yeah, not exactly conclusive, but there's got to be someone. There has got to be someone out there mathematically. Like, that's just how it works. And so then Carl Sagan goes to, well, okay, why are they not here? And goes through all the various theories, all the various theories, like maybe we're the first. Uh, maybe there's something wrong with uh, interstellar travel that we're too dumb to understand. Maybe this, maybe that, maybe the other thing. But the idea that Carl Sagan hits upon is immediately, universe real big. Universe, universe real big. And takes real long time to go from planet to planet to planet to planet to planet. Like, so... The idea of a universe-spanning civilization, the idea of a civilization that can, like, go from world to world to world to world, constantly exploring, constantly colonizing, uh, constantly learning about different planets, different worlds, and maybe encountering other civilizations, it would take them quite a long time to reach Earth. Even if they're, like, as close as humanly possible at this stage in our uh, life, which had to have been, like, 200 light years away. That's the estimate of the closest it can possibly be. Even if it's 200 light years away, that still takes a long ass time to get to us. And from how far away they are, there's no there's no reason to believe that our planet is any special. There's no reason to believe from a distance that our planet is filled with life as it is. So Probably every world looks equally appealing to them, and they're just going one by one by one by one by one. Uh, and we get this great ending where Carl Sagan sort of speculates on how a how an intergalactic, how a technologically advanced civilization would look, and how they would explore the cosmos, uh, and how they colonize from world to world to world to world. Maybe they eventually run into a different, uh, a- another exploratory another exploratory civilization and make peace with them because, like, actual wars in the stars would be impossible. One would always be more advanced than the other. 
and they just start working together and pooling their resources and continuing to go outward and outward and outward. Maybe they have this whole, like, Encyclopedia Galactica. Hey, title of the episode. Maybe they have this whole uh, database collecting details on every single world and, like, oh, how would they view the Earth? What would they think of us? Like... What would it be like if we could view that uh, database and look at every single world in the known cosmos, uh, in the known galaxy? And it's... God, it's just a really, really awe-inspiring and really, really fun ending. Like, it's just really... It really stimulates your brain to kind of speculate wildly on, okay, given what we know, what would a civilization of aliens, what would an extraterrestrial civilization look like? Uh, How would they go about uh, exploring the cosmos? Uh, What would they think of us? How would they uh, note us? And it's just like, it's it's real great. It's real, real, real great. Uh, Fantastic episode, all around. Uh, If you like this, Favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow, we will be discussing Cosmos Episode 13, the series finale. Talk to you then.